Let's pray as we begin today. Lord, we want to thank you so much that you alone can put a new song in our heart, song of praise to you, our God. We want to thank you that as we waited for you, you bowed and heard our cry and you brought us up out of the horrible pit, out of the circumstances of our life that were overwhelming and challenging and out of the place of not knowing you and your salvation to surrendering and knowing who you are and all that you've done for us. We want to thank you that you establish our steps, that you help us to walk in the way that pleases you. And we want to thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the way, the truth and the life and that you showed us that we should come to the Father through faith in you. We want to pray, Lord, that you would give us inspiration to share the wonderful things that you have done, to declare your faithfulness and your salvation. Speak to us as we look to your word. Help us in our challenges and in our difficulties. And we pray, Lord, that you would transform us, that we would be more like Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, I see the theme that... Jesus makes us free and then free to share. You might remember uh, from our study last week that uh, Jesus and the disciples were in a boat uh, going across the sea. There was a big storm. And now we're going to see a transition where he comes into a new region on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. And he meets a couple people and he frees them from a demonic oppression. So uh, Jesus, he says these words as he frees the man. Uh, he says, uh, go home to your friends. Tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. So it's really interesting because the one who had been uh, demon possessed, uh, he's now free. He begs Jesus to be able to travel with Jesus and the disciples. But Jesus says, Go home to your friends. Tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And uh, I became a believer as a young adult. Uh, some of you either became believers as uh, you know, young people or came back to the Lord um, after a time of not walking with him. And you know that you have received the compassion of God. And Jesus wants us to share with others the great things that he has done for us. It says in uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 20, And he, that man, departed and began to proclaim all that Jesus had done for him, and all marveled, meaning that they were amazed. So now we're going to read the passage um, from Mark's gospel, chapter 5, and we'll read uh, down through uh, verse 20. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? 
I implore you by God that you not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is your name? So he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country, and they went to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him, who had been demon-possessed, and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis and all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Um, some of you have seen people that were really lost uh, right at the edge maybe of such darkness in their life that you wondered whether they would be able to come out of that uh, horrible place. Um, Martin and I, we have a friend who became a youth pastor in California, and then the Lord sent him and his wife, even though they had a beautiful house and he had a, a great job with um, the power company in Southern California, they sent him uh, to Ukraine and he became a senior pastor. And he told the story that uh, his wife first came to know the Lord. She was praying that he would come to the Lord, but he was using drugs. And one day he overdosed and he uh, saw himself uh, as he was dying, getting pulled down into a dark pit. Felt like he was in a free fall, going down into a deep, dark pit. And as she was praying, and as the, uh, the first responders were on the way to the house, uh, God spoke life to his spirit, and he pulled him up out of that dark pit, and he never turned back again. He was completely delivered. He was no longer under the influence of those drugs. And he was a changed person. And it was so traumatic how that change happened that other people started coming to the Lord. And it's similar to this story that we read here. That Jesus uh, frees us then to go out and share with others. Uh, after he freed the man that had these unclean spirits, he said to him, Go home to your friends. And tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he's had compassion on you. When I first became a believer, um, it was during the time of cassette tapes. So I uh, got uh, the little cassette that was the dictaphone where you could push uh, play and record. And I made a, a cassette and I sent it to my family. 
telling them about the big transformation that had happened in my life, and really about the Lord's compassion, what he has done for us. And it says that man in verse 20, he departed and began to proclaim, right? Uh, When we went to Nigeria, we had these boxes that were like black. They had a solar panel and then they had a hand crank like this. And you know what they were called? They were called proclaimers. (laughs) And so we had, uh, I think, four different languages and we were praying, Lord, uh, show us someone in this language. And so if there was, you could plug them in, but uh, if there wasn't electricity, you could put them out in the sun and then you could wind them up. And uh, I shared with this young man, he was uh, there. They have a lot of uh, security issues. So they build a wall around the apartment building and then they pay someone to sit at the gate to make sure that that person actually lives there so that they don't come in. So this man uh, was there and I said, uh, you know, I'm a believer in Jesus. He goes, well, my mom is Christian, but my dad's Muslim and I was raised Muslim. And I said, if I give you a New Testament, would you read it? Or I think it was the Gospel of John. He says, yes. And so uh, a few days later, I stopped by and uh, it was literally just he was living in a little booth like this. That was all that he had. So uh, he invited me in and he just had a little mat on the floor. And I saw that he was reading the Gospel of John. He goes, I want to follow Jesus. And so I said, that is great. And then I asked, uh, what is your family language? And one of the proclaimers that I had was in his language. So um, eventually uh, someone in his family got sick and he went back and he took that proclaimer and he told me, everybody in the village just come around and listening to the word of God in their language. And I thought, that is wonderful. You know, uh, it says that this man departed and began to proclaim. Right. Did he have to go through uh, a class to know how to share the gospel? No, he was just set free. Right. Uh, Go and tell him the great things that the Lord has done for you. Uh, I'm not against classes, but let's not forget the great things that God has done for us and go out and proclaim to people. Uh, Jesus truly did great things for this man, and he's done wonderful things for us. Uh, Since Jesus has freed us, he wants us to go out and to share that other people will be saved. And I think we, over time, lose excitement. We forget the wonderful things that the Lord has done, and we become quiet. And the real theme of this passage is not to become quiet. Uh, The disciples themselves, right, had just gone through a huge storm where they were fearful for their very lives. Uh, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? And uh, Jesus said, peace, be still. He had told them, we're going over to the other side. And now we read in verse 1 that they crossed over to the other side. And it says in verse 2, when he had come out of the boat immediately. Remember in Mark's gospel, it's one of the words that you see real frequently, immediately. So I've told you before, if you're wanting to encourage someone to read the scripture and they're kind of active, uh, tell them to read Mark's gospel because immediately uh, there met him, Jesus, out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 28, it actually says that there were two men. Uh, Perhaps we see this focus upon the one man because he was more... uh, interacting with Jesus are more transformed than the other man. We're not told, but 
Matthew's gospel says that there were two men. Uh, in Luke's gospel, it says, when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time, and he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. So this is a tragic situation, right? He's shunned by society. He's tormented. Uh, he's uh, close to death himself, and he's even living among the tombs. And he cries out, and he falls down before Jesus. It says that he didn't even have clothes on. Um, we can correlate this condition of the man with an unbeliever, right? How so? Well, in the next verses, we see, uh, as we just read, he's coming out of the tombs. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, You who are dead in trespasses and sins. Right. So even if you were a young child and you made a profession of faith uh, before that profession of faith, the scripture says that we were dead in sins and trespasses. We have taken on a sinful nature after Adam and Eve sinned. And uh, the unbeliever, the scripture makes it very clear. It's like they're dead in their wrong behavior and in their sin. What else? It says that he had an unclean spirit. In Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 2, it says that unbelievers are under the influence of the principalities and the powers of the spirit. It says, in, what, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the year, that's speaking of Satan, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So this man had unclean spirits living inside of his body, but everyone who is an unbeliever is under the influence of Satan. The scripture makes it clear. It says that he's dwelling in the tombs. Uh, and in the Gospel of Matthew, as Jesus starts his ministry, it's a fulfillment of a prophecy. And it says that he came to those who are living in darkness and in the shadow of death, right? Uh, have you ever had a near-death experience? Uh, when I first became a believer, I counted about 10 of them. And um, you know, right, when something happens and you're that close to dying. And as a believer, um, and you look back on it, you have thankfulness that the Lord brought you out of that shadow of death. It says, no one could bind him not even with chains, back in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 3. And many unbelievers, they refuse to be restrained, right? Some of you as parents, you've gone through that season where you're telling the kids, don't do that, it's going to have a negative repercussion in your life. Don't do that, it doesn't please the Lord. And what happens? They just continue in the wrong path and they refuse to be restrained. They want to do what they want to do. Our society is a society that oftentimes is expressing rebellion towards God. Um, some of you have lived in the time when uh, frequently on the radio you would hear, my way, right? I did it my way. And uh, we think, oh, great song. Well, actually it's not because it's expressing rebellion against the Lord. Um, recently there was the movie Jesus Revolution. If you haven't seen it, now it's on Netflix so you can see it. 
Um, but it describes the time in the late 60s and the early 70s when there was the hippie movement in the U.S. and in other places. And in an article, Life magazine made famous this phrase that it says that the people in that era were characterized as following sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Um, and, you know, we came back one time, we were in Southern California, and there was a new program that was being advertised on someone's TV that we were visiting, Sex in the City or something like that. And I just thought, where are we going with all this stuff? It's open rebellion, but we get so comfortable with it that people, um, they are just saying, don't restrain me. Um, and you sometimes might say something to correct a person, you know, that's a bad decision. And oftentimes they say, who are you to tell me what to do? Right? It's just like a big pushback. Uh, I'm going to do what I want to do. And this man who had chains, right, uh, the people were trying to keep him from being able to hurt others and hurt himself. He broke those chains apart. He wanted to live life the way that he wanted to. It says in verse 5, And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. And I thought about this. Um, some of you know that before we moved here, I was a religious coordinator, basically a pastor in a correctional facility. And there were people um, that even in that facility would cut themselves. Um, and um, this, as I see it, night and day around the tombs, crying out, it shows that he's tormented. Uh, he's doing self-harm. That's the polite way of you know, how we call it now of trying to harm yourself uh, where you're at the border of suicide. And our society is struggling with suicide, both with thoughts and actual people who are killing themselves. In the U.S., each year, uh, over 48,000 people end their life by suicide. That's pretty amazing. It actually means one person every 11 minutes of the year. Right, if you space it out. Uh, can you think about the toll of the family members, but also the first responders that are coming and seeing that? It is a huge darkness, right? Night and day, the person is unsettled, crying out, uh, trying to harm himself with the stones. And as we mentioned suicide, uh, if you struggle or you know someone who is, there is a crisis hotline that you just text or dial 988. Um, pray, it's a big challenge. And in some age groups, one article that I read from 14 years old to 15 years old, now suicide has surpassed and has become the leading cause of death, greater than even accidental death. So in many age groups, it's the second or the third leading cause of death. It's a real challenge, and it just reminds us that the physical things don't bring true satisfaction, and the things of darkness eventually bring a person to want to end their own life. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the enemy, Satan, only comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. But he goes on to say, but I have come to bring life, and life more abundantly. Also, if you're uh, struggling in some way, don't be quiet. Uh, share with someone. Ask for help. 
Um, Martin and I, we always feel like there's no burden too big, right, that you can't share with us. Find someone else that you trust and speak about your needs. Jesus is willing to forgive and receive any person. I think about this. Uh, he traveled through the storm, the storm that was so strong that it was uh, a danger and the disciples thought that they were going to lose their life. He traveled through the storm across the lake to free this person. Uh, it says in Mark's gospel, chapter 5, verse 6, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he worshiped him. And that should be our response as well. Anything of darkness, turn from it, run and fall before Jesus, worship him. And when Jesus uh, saw him, uh, he started this process to free him. Jesus is the true path to freedom. Jesus said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. And we learn from the passage that it was not just one spirit, but it was a, a multitude of spirits, a legion, like a group of soldiers. The unclean spirits begged that they could be uh, cast out into the herd of pigs. Uh, the scripture says swine. And Jesus tells them, go. Uh, I've been in places where there's a question whether someone has a demonic possession and oftentimes believers are, you know, trying really hard, shouting a lot. But Jesus has authority. He just says, go, right? And the unclean spirits leave. Uh, they recognized who he was. The unclean spirits called him the son of God. And uh, because of this, it says in the passage that they um, ran down even violently. They ran, the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea and drowned into the sea. So many things that happen outside in the land of Israel, you don't know exactly where they happen. But this is one of the places that you can know exactly where it happened because there's only one place on the shore of the Sea of Galilee that has this uh, sharp, uh, steep incline. And it's really easy when you go there to picture how it would happen, that the pigs are up eating, um, on the side of the hillside, and then they run down violently. Uh, it says there was about 2,000 uh, pigs. So also now you need to shift, because at the end of the story, people are going to ask Jesus to leave. And you say, well, why? This man who was demon-possessed, he was tormenting himself and other people, now he's in his right mind. Why did they ask him to leave? Well, think about the financial loss of the people who are taking care of 2,000 pigs. Um, I don't know exactly right now, but I know that an, a small pig, if you sell it, uh, for, is probably four or $500. And if it's a big one, it's probably over $1,000. So even back then, it was a big loss. Um, this is actually the first instance of something that we find in our society. It's deviled ham. <laughs> because the unclean spirits went into the pigs, right? And those pigs became deviled ham. I, I thought, why do we call it deviled eggs and deviled ham? <laughs> you know why? It's because you use 
cayenne pepper. It's a spicy pepper. Uh, so it's actually a, um, a term that is used in cuisine to, to use a lot of spices. That's why you call it deviled. It doesn't have something to do with... But this, by the way, this company, the Deviled Ham Underword uh, Company, they're the, they have also the unique thing that uh, when they got registered, they're the longest food company that has been in business, I think, from about 1887 or something like that. So uh, now we're going to shift a little bit from this instance down at the sea up into the hillside where there were some towns and villages. And it says, uh, those who fed the swine, right? So like sheep and goats, uh, the owners most of the time weren't out in the field because it's kind of a boring job to be a shepherd. So what would they do? They would have a family member or a cousin uh, or someone that didn't have a job go out and take care of them. So here we're told in verse 14, those who fed the swine fled and they told it in the city and the country. You can probably imagine, oh, we're going to lose our job, <laughs> right? All of the pigs are dead. We're going to lose our job. And uh, they came uh, and they tell it in the city and in the country. Uh, so they tell the owners and the other people what had happened. And then it says, uh, they came to Jesus. And it actually mentions um, that people from all of the area came. So it's a big group that's coming. They came to Jesus. They saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Uh, that's interesting, isn't it? You know, such a big transformation. One time I was reading, and I don't know if I was studying the inductive Bible study method, but you ask certain questions and you compare the passage. And I was reading, and it says at the beginning in one of the Gospels, right, Luke's Gospel, that he was naked. And now we read, he was sitting and clothed in his right mind. Where did the clothes come from? Well, one of John the Baptist's messages was, if you have two tunics, share with the one who doesn't. And most likely, one or more of the disciples had to live out that instruction. Um, they had heard that message, and uh, they had probably given of their clothes to this man that he's now sitting clothed in his right mind. I've seen big transformation in people's lives. And sometimes when a person goes through that big spiritual transformation, you need to help them a little bit in the physical realm. So let's not forget that the Lord has been compassionate towards us. And when someone is going through a challenge, be willing to help them physically. And, you know, thank you for doing that with some people in your life. It says they were there. Now they understand what had happened. But in verse 17, they began to plead with him to depart from their region. Uh, so most likely the owners um, were real concerned about the pigs and they weren't as concerned about this man. And they actually asked Jesus to leave. Kind of a strange situation, isn't it? Um, Jesus got into the boat and the one who had been demon possessed begged him that he might go with him. Um, you know, when you first become a believer, you want every moment to be with the Lord. 
And then oftentimes, over time, you start to think, yeah, Lord, I invite you into this moment. He's with us all the time, and this man didn't want Jesus to leave him. Jesus gets into the boat. Uh, He begs to go, but Jesus has a different plan. He says to him, go home to your friends. Tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. It seems kind of intimidating when God has delivered you or done something amazing to share with people, but really it should just be out of a heart of love. God has freed me, he's delivered me, and so now I'm going to share with other people. It says that he departed and began to proclaim all that Jesus had done for him, and all marveled. Right? It is amazing. Uh, I think that there's two realities that we need to hold on to in this passage of Scripture. One, if Jesus has saved us, you have a story. Right? Sometimes people say, oh, you know, I wasn't in prison or I didn't use drugs. I don't have much of a story. No, if Jesus has saved you, you have a story. And the second thing is that Jesus commands us as his followers to go to share the gospel and to go and make disciples. Um, I want to be an instrument, but I can't be in all places in the society and I can't find all the people in need. But you know what? We're living in different areas and God wants to shine his light through our lives. He wants us to look at people and to say, hey, maybe they would be willing to listen to my story. Um, In about 30 seconds, you can share the basics of your story, right? I lived a good life. I was living on a sailboat, but then I started to feel like something was lacking. I didn't know the purpose of life. And I remember hearing as a teenager that someone told me, Jesus, who is God, came from heaven to earth. He lived a perfect life and he gave his life as an offering on the cross. And as I was thinking about this, uh, I was overwhelmed with God's goodness, and I asked him to forgive me of my sins. And from that time, I started reading the Word of God. He started changing my life. And I just encourage you, make that same decision. Right? You can do it in a short time. Sometimes we don't share because we think, there's so many details, I need to have 15 or 20 minutes to be able to tell my story. Well, you can tell your story in a very abbreviated way. And it might be that drop of water that comes into a person's life and it waters a seed that someone else has put in there. And they might say, hey, I am willing to follow Jesus. And you'll have such joy when they make that decision. So these words of Jesus, go home, tell your friends, tell them all that the Lord has done for you. Um, I thought about this and I wanted to ask a question. Are you like... Ahazmaz. You say, who is that? (laughs) Well, there's a story. You probably remember the story that King David, uh, he was chased out of Jerusalem by his own son. What was his son's name? Absalom. And Absalom actually wanted to wage like a civil war to bring people to his side and away from David. Uh, It ended up that God frustrated Absalom. Absalom's famous because he had uh, really beautiful and thick hair. And as he was riding on his mule, uh, underneath this uh, tree that had thorns, he gets actually hung up in the tree 
buy his hair, and the mule keeps going. And so uh, Joab hears about it, and he goes and he kills Absalom. And so this uh, Ahazmaz, he says to Joab, hey, let me go and tell King David, because King David was uh, in exile. He says, let me go. And uh, Joab says, no. He said, let me go again. And he says, no. But he didn't have the whole story. So the story is that he actually outruns this man, makes it to David first, and he goes, yeah, uh, it's a good thing that happened. And that's basically his news. And uh, he doesn't have the message. And I thought to myself, you know, there's a lot of people. They're busy about a lot of things, but they forget the message. You know, and you can even outrun somebody uh, being busy, making money. Uh, you can be in a rush to go here and there. But if you don't share the message, you're not going to have any reward. And there's a challenge for us. As believers, we're starting to get repressed by the things in society. Right? Darkness is getting greater. The light is getting seemingly dimmer in our society. But Jesus wants us to go to share with our friends and to share with people the message of salvation. He says, go tell your friends. Tell them all the Lord has done for you. Tell them how he has had compassion on you. Uh, has God had compassion upon you? Well, don't be afraid to share it. You know, it's a good thing to remember all that he has done. We've been freed. And it's not just that we would live for our own ease. Not just that we would have hope of salvation when we die, but that we would share that hope of salvation with others before they die. You know, that is critical. The scripture says it's appointed to man once to die and then the judgment. We are God's ambassadors and we're to share God's hope of salvation before others die. We're to go and to tell them all that the Lord has done for us. Maybe as we pray, you can just ask that the Lord would stir you up again to love and good works. Father, we thank you for saving us. We thank you for that big transition in our life, taking us out of the kingdom of darkness and bringing us into your kingdom of light and of love. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that you had compassion upon us, that you touched our lives, that you freed us from things of darkness, for some of us, you even freed us from thoughts or attempts at suicide. And you can do that, Lord. You can set anyone who is captive free. Help us that we would be led by your spirit. Help us that we would see others with your vision, knowing that the message of the gospel is the power of salvation to all who believe. Lord, help us not to become complacent, to live for our own ease, and to be so concerned about being shamed when someone rejects us that we forget that in reality they're rejecting you. Give us your compassion. Send us out as your ambassadors. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.